There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to make work a rich and compelling part of life so employees thrive, give their best performance, and want to stay. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use. And if I can do anything to help you along your journey, go to my website at EliseCortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's open a conversation and explore what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Whether you want to learn how the Vitally Inspired Living and Leading from Purpose Leadership Program or Consulting can help you develop you and your team's efficacy in motivating your team to give their best while creating a meaning-infused culture in your organization, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online community to stoke your own passion, inspiration, or purpose discovery, or provide this as a gift and benefit to your team. You want to learn more or, or recommend a woman to submit her story to the women's anthology I am curating, collecting stories from women across the globe who are up to something. It's called Passionately Striving in Why, Women Who Persevere Mildly to Live Their Purpose. Or finally, you'd like me to speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Justin McCorkle. He is the Director of Business Development for Tuaris Cyber. Previously, he worked in the ministry where he spent 12 years as a preacher guiding church growth and delivering church leadership seminars around the United States and in Central America. He has also worked in the political arena as a speechwriter, campaign coordinator, and state delegate for various officials and candidates in the state and national levels. He joins us today from Dallas. Justin, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you very much. It's really an honor to be here with you, Elise. Well, thank you. And I want to share with our listeners how we found each other. It's always nice to know how, how people come into my sphere. You were minding your own business and, and you were on you were in the recipient of a speech I gave to a group that you were a part of here in Dallas and you heard my message and we connected. It was around meaning, passion, inspiration, purpose, and you, of course, just got it. And that is where we developed a, a, a really a, a friendship here out of this. And I knew that we could create a powerful conversation around the importance of having conversations that really make a difference in people's lives. And so that's the, the focus of today's conversation, listeners. And you get to you get a special little insight into this man's world. And he's he's really accumulated quite a lot of experience over his few years on the planet. So you ready? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so this idea of what I wanted to talk with you about, Justin, came from reading you know, your your beautiful blog, and I found one of your conversations about the possibility of changing someone's life, of really making a profound difference in just one conversation. So that's what I want to really explore deeply in this conversation, because as you know, Justin, so much of what I'm up to is to help people really, to really live that rich, meaningful life, and having powerful conversations that can all to the course of a person's life is pretty big. Talk about impact. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not to be taken lightly. The ability that we have with our words to affect someone in a deep and meaningful way. And I think sometimes in our mind, we view people we come into contact with 
as, well, they're just passers through, right? They were only going to be there for just a little while. So if I just have an opportunity to sit down with this person and speak to them for a few minutes, generally conversations are kept shallow. We don't really open up to one another. We don't connect. So they just go on about their day. We do the same. We walk away, say, hey, that was a nice person. And they say the same thing about us. But at the end, there was no real impact. I'm not saying that every conversation that we have is going to be this tremendous life-changing event for someone. But I think we have to recognize the possibility that every conversation we go into can have that profound of an effect. Indeed. And certainly I I hope and while I have been the recipient of people who reach out to me after I've been I've been out speaking and saying, Oh my gosh, I something awakened in me when you came out to speak. And of course that's what I want. I want people to be awakened when I speak. But it isn't just the planned conversations that can make a big difference. I, I think we can I'll look at our own lives and and conjure something where one conversation like totally made a difference in our lives. And I thought you and I could each start by sharing one of those for each of us so that our listeners can get present to maybe something for their own life. And so I'll go first. Um, I, I will, I've shared this before, Justin, other, other listeners have heard this before, but just in case they haven't, <clears throat> one conversation that made an enormous difference in my life happened when I was 19 years old and I was living and working in uh, a small office in Portland, Oregon, for a man that I absolutely adored working with, and I was his administrative assistant, and I had been there for a, a year and a half, when literally one day, on the way out the door to go to lunch, he opened the door wide and was walking through it, and over his his shoulder, he, he says to me, you got to get out of here, you got to go see the world, get an education, but before you go, do some, or hire your replacement, he said. And that was just profound, Justin. I didn't know that was coming at all. And so when he came back from lunch, I, I was still sitting there trying to process, did he just fire me? And I asked him, I said, hold on, before you go back to your office, did you just fire me? And he said, of course I did. It would be a crime to keep you here. And the thing about that, Justin, is that it never occurred to me that I could go to college. It, and so here I am, let's see, a bachelor's, two masters, and a PhD later. I think I did that. Um, it never occurred to me that I could, <laughs> that I could, you know, work or live live abroad. And I've lived in Spain and Brazil and presented in most of the continents. So still working on that. Um, that bit about doing something with myself, of course, that's ever evolving. But that man totally changed my life. He actually saved my life because he opened a vista for me that I could not see for myself, and I walked through that door. That's a wonderful story, and really shows someone that cares. They care more about the here and now. They care more about even the individual conversation. They care about you. And that's a really large part of what the premises of the blog that you referenced, uh, the idea that we can see someone and we can take one conversation and redirect where they're going in life. And he did exactly that. And uh, that's truly an act of love. It, it really is, and, and and your blog is called Love in Leadership, um, which certainly exemplifies what we're getting to here, which is, again, why I wanted to have you on the show and around the holidays, no less, right? Talk about an act of, of giving that has made a difference in my life decades later. And by the way, he and I still stay in touch. He's a dear friend. Um, when I went through my divorce a couple of year, three years ago, he called me every single weekend for six months to make sure I was okay. <laughs> Amazing man. Absolutely. What about you, Justin? What can you can you share with us a, a conversation that has really made a difference in your life? Sure, there are many. Of course, I could point to just I think with all of us and all of your listeners, uh, there's one particularly that comes to mind. It was very meaningful to me personally. 
uh, it was actually after I had done something that I was deeply ashamed of. I had uh, wronged some people around me emotionally, left some wounds there with people that were very close with me. And a mentor and friend of mine, and he's one of those people that I've had many conversations with that have helped to redirect my life. And uh, you might have someone in your life like that that you kind of come back to again and again because they tend to give you those types of deep thoughts and perspectives. And uh, this man is one of those people for me. And we were speaking after all of this had started to kind of go on and he sat down with me and he just started asking me some questions about my mindset, what I had been thinking, what my perspective was. And long story short, when he came to help me realize is that I didn't really understand love. And he did that in a powerful way. I remember him particularly asking me um, what I felt the reactions of people around me were going to be to what I had done. And in the course of that conversation, I revealed to him, well, I expected I would lose all of these relationships and people wouldn't want to speak with me anymore. And he asked me why it is I thought that that would happen. And I explained, well, basically, without saying it in these words at this time, there's a little more perspective later on. But basically what I explained to him is I felt that the relationships were all conditional. And that's where he began to shift my thinking and explain to me and help me to accept that love is not necessarily unconditional. Uh, and moreover, many of these people unconditionally love me himself, one of those people. And all it did was hurt. It hurt myself. It hurt other people, these decisions that I had made. But there was life after those things, and there was still relationship after those things. And that thought was such a, a marvelous thought to me, and it took me uh, a good while longer to really accept the full impact of that. But I'll say that that conversation really helped me to understand unconditional love and helped me to understand uh, my misunderstandings about love. So I'll say that that has such a profound impact on my life and how I view relationship that even now, this blog, loveandleadership.org, it centers around that idea, uh, intimacy and unconditional love, and what that looks like in relationships, especially in business relationships, is that's kind of one of the focuses of the blog, but it carries over into every aspect of life. Mm. That is so beautiful, Justin, and again, exemplifies why I wanted to have you on the show and share you with, with my listeners, because of, of that beautiful spirit and heart of yours and the service that you have really cultivated in your being over the course of your time on the planet and and in so doing share with our listeners the opportunity to really deepen how they connect and communicate and converse with other people so that it it's not only enriching of their lives but also that of the person they're speaking with just like you demonstrated in what you just shared with us so thank you for that beautiful story so on the other side here, um, I'm very, very curious. I know that I can't even imagine the, the, the numerous or the number of conversations that you've had over the years and certainly in the 12 years that you spent as a preacher talking with people and helping them. But would you share with us just one conversation that you've had with someone where you could really see that the message that you were giving them sink into them, into their bones and alter their being? So what was the nature of the message and, and why did you think they needed to hear it? Um, obviously protect the person that you're, you're going to share. I know you will, but help us understand what that looks like. Sure. No, obviously 
as a preacher, those types of conversations happen pretty regularly. I would meet people a lot of times for the first time in serious life crisis moments, whether it was the death of a loved one or some type of a terminal diagnosis, or it was some uh, event that they had done themselves, maybe some wrong they had committed. And so now they're trying to figure out where to go from this point. I mean, all types of things. So you have a lot of powerful conversations in that way. But I think that I would rather discuss one that was more recent because it was in the business community outside of preaching and those things. And I think it illustrates that you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be someone in the ministry or whatever to have these types of powerful conversations. Uh, Just recently, there was a man I was speaking with. He's become a friend and he was just talking to me about his brother's destructive actions, actions that were destructive to himself and to the rest of the family, uh, things centering around addiction And in the course of that conversation, just started asking questions about his brother's upbringing, the things that he went through as a child. And it starts becoming clear that this man had serious issues from childhood relating back to abandonment. And that type of torn emotional bond in a child leaves lasting scars, as you very well know. And all of a sudden, all of the things he was saying about his brother's actions started to make sense. To me, they very much represent shame and this feeling of hopelessness and helplessness and this um, lost feeling that then leads a person to feel like there's no other way to go. They might as well do bad things. They might as well steal from family or um, go back to drug use or disappear for a little while. That is such a, a hopeless and helpless place to be. So what I proceeded to do was leaning on some of the experiences that I've had dealing with others and working through uh, different types of traumas, uh, started to bring to the forefront how his brother may be feeling deep down, even if he can't verbalize it. Maybe he can't verbalize what shame really is, the self-hatred that's there, or maybe he can't explain what it's like to uh, not be trusted by anyone and not feel unconditionally loved by anyone you know, we're much more likely to behave well, so to speak, and to do good for others when we feel that others love us, when we feel that there's a place for us in the world. And when you don't have those things, everything seems hopeless, and it just doesn't seem like a point to living anymore. And it's not to say that we don't have to deal with the physical fallout of actions and to try to uh, navigate through the difficulties of individual circumstances, but I think that it's important when we're dealing with someone in that type of situation that we still understand where they may be coming from emotionally, why they're doing what they're doing, and try to strike at the root of the issue. So in the course of the conversation, I recommended a couple of books to him. One of those books was um, Trust First by Bruce Deal, a recent release. It's very powerful. And going through this conversation, what I saw in the individual I was speaking with was a total evolution of thinking around why his brother may be behaving in this way. And that's a powerful thing to witness. And I don't know what's going to happen out of all of that situation yet, but I do know that the beginning of change is going to come from love and having some type of impact in this man's life I was speaking with is, is enough to walk away from a conversation and feel like, wow, that was supposed to just be a little business meeting. And what it ended up being was something much more powerful than that and lasting than that. 
How beautiful, Justin. Just a gift. And I want to comment on a couple of things, but let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been in the air with Justin McCorkle, who is the Director of Business Development at Tuaris Cyber. Previously, he worked in the ministry where he spent 12 years as a preacher guiding church growth and delivering church leadership seminars around the United States and in Central America. He's also worked in the political arena as a speechwriter, campaign coordinator, and state delegate for various officials and candidates at the state and national levels. Today, he joins us from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a bit about the art of conversing in a meaningful way. After the break, we'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Justin McCorkle. He is the Director of Business Development at Tuaris Cyber. He's also worked in the ministry where he spent 12 years as a preacher, guiding church growth and delivering church leadership seminars around the United States and in Central America. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just one comment about that beautiful story that you shared with us before we go on here to the conversation, Justin, is what I really heard for that conversation to be as effective as it was is presence. You had to be present to be able to catch that, what he was sharing with you, in order to be able to serve up what you did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's something about looking to the next thing that distracts you from what you're doing. I've done that a lot myself. I think all of us have. And in that conversation, it may have been more uh, prudent business-wise, or it may have stuck with the agenda more to not get dragged off into some tangent about some family things that were going on, but it doesn't actually change anything. It doesn't help anybody in the long term. So instead, hearing what's going on in someone's life and then instead engaging with that, sometimes that's just a better use of time. I mean, at the end of the day, we have one life and we're going to spend that one life and it's over with. We're not walking under the sun anymore. So what do you want to spend your time doing? And that doesn't just have to be a big conversation about priorities of life in general. A lot of times it just comes down to a momentary decision. What do I want to do with my life in this moment, in this conversation, and hear what's being said and what people are actually dealing with? Because a lot of times it's not the most important thing that we talk about what's pressing business-wise. Sometimes the most important thing is what's pressing life-wise. Absolutely. And and I so much of what I'm up to in the world, as you know, is helping people to really be awakened to a, a deeper level of meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose. And that does take 
really being in that space and 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 which is why I wanted to have this conversation with you Justin because you know to to be able to help our listeners develop the the acumen and the ability and um, the muscle to have these kind of conversations is incredibly meaningful and when we look at the world that is what's missing for so many people is connection that part of what what is undergirding the depression and anxiety and drug drug use etc is that people don't feel connected um, so all the more that I wanted to have you on the air talking about it because I think you are and I know you're going to blush at this, but you are uniquely qualified to talk about this just because of who you are as a human being and the work that you've gotten to do as a preacher as well. Well, I may be uniquely qualified in some negative ways as well. I mean, the truth is that even in leadership roles, even in preaching, uh, for most of my time on the planet, I have not been a connected person. And it's not that I wasn't connecting to help others. It's that I wasn't allowing them to truly connect with me. And there's a lot written on my blog about that. Um, you know, I also come from some childhood trauma and some abandonment issues and things of that nature and uh, have spent most of my life on the planet not understanding the impact of those things on myself. And just like I mentioned the conversation with my mentor earlier that helped to change my thinking and redirect my focus, um, you know, broken people oftentimes want to help other broken people. And that's where I would fit into that category. I wanted to do good for others. I wanted to help other people, uh, but I didn't really understand my own brokenness and why it is that uh, I felt those kinships and connections. And moreover, I didn't understand that I was not providing the same intimacy into my life to others that I was uh, seeing in other people and receiving from other people. And what that what that speaks to for me, Justin, is just that the beauty and grace of your willingness to step into growth, right? And 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 to recognize where you've been and to work on trying to develop from that place is is what I think life is all about. And you have something interesting along those lines on your blog that I thought was interesting in that same same post. Um, that I'd love for you to share on. It, it, you say, lately it has become obvious to me that many people have not spent much time in the space of radical, challenging growth. So I'm wondering, you know, just because I can see that in you, you have gone through that and will continue to do so, I know. Um, but what are your observations on this and how did you arrive at that deduction? Well, first of all, I would just say that pride is a mask. And I myself have worn that mask quite a bit. <laughs> and so, then having painfully removed it, it's often easy to spot on other people. For me, engaging in so many conversations that I do, of course, my work now enables me to meet a lot of people, and that's always exciting. You're one of those people, and I really appreciate the opportunities that I have to get to know so many different types of people. But as those things happen, I often am in my, inside myself kind of gauging a person's willingness to be vulnerable. And I think that that's often indicative of how much time they've spent in that uh, radical, challenging growth space that you're referring to. So people come into conversations a lot of times and you can almost see the bravado, the ego and the pride that's there behind what they're saying. Everybody wants to uh, speak about, even if in a very subtle way, how great we are. Uh, And I guess I'm kind of past that enough to the point now to where what it seems like to me is a mask and it's guarding something, it's guarding intimacy. But that's also where these conversations come into play and we can give the opportunity for other people to take that mask off. And a lot of times it comes along with us speaking about our worst moments rather than our best moments. 
Yes, I wanted to talk about that, and I completely agree. And that was so beautifully narrated and and brought to the surface for us, Justin. Thank you for that. Um, One of the things that you also say is that you've noticed, and certainly in your own life too, that sometimes the hardest times to speak to someone is when they might be not having a, a they might be in a very difficult time, that we tend to avoid that. Like when somebody, for example, I see it all the time, when somebody has lost a loved one, there's usually the cursory, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Instead of really engaging in and being in the moment with that person to maybe hear, tell me about David or you know, the person's name, bring the person's name out there and enter into that beautiful, delicate, vulnerable space with them. Will you say more about that, this whole notion of maybe our reticence not to engage in conversations with people when they are dealing with some of the most difficult things? Yeah, there's an obvious temptation in most of us to avoid difficulty, and that includes difficulty in conversations. So someone says something about having just lost a spouse or they've just been diagnosed with some terrible disease, and what we, I think tend to want to do, I speak for myself, I mean, a lot of times there's this urge to, um, let's redirect the conversation, let's change something else. Uh, But that's probably the best time to have meaningful conversation. So one view says that we have about 72 hours to reset after crisis. That is to say that there's this window of uh, moment where we can totally change our lives and we can have everything flipped for us but it's going to take different direction. It's going to take a whole new perspective. But crisis is something that just has upended us. With that in mind, when we are in conversation with someone, even if you're outside of the 72-hour window, but you know that they're going through some major life crisis, even if they're downplaying its impact, instead of avoiding that, it may be best to engage it. Of course, not pushy, not wanting to put someone into a conversation they don't want to be in. Uh, however, if we know these things about them, especially if they brought it up, there's probably a desire within them to discuss it or to have some type of interaction around the topic. So instead of running away from it, I think that we ought to embrace the moment and see it for what it is. It's, it's, even if it's terrible, it's also beautiful, and it's more beautiful for someone that's not in the crisis, right? I mean, you've been through crisis, I have as well, and in that moment, it is the most awful feeling. There is a fear. There is all types of adrenaline, so much going on within us that is just awful. However, someone standing outside of us can see something that we can't see. Uh, I know in things that I've gone through, there have been people outside of me that have looked at me and told me that you're going to be better because of this. This is going to change you for the better. And it is not something that is easy to hear. And you certainly don't accept it at the moment because you feel like you're never going to get up from uh, whatever has just knocked you down. Uh, But it's oftentimes true and others can see that better. And we may be one of those other people to step back and to look at someone's situation and to just give perspective and meaningful conversation to them that will help them to become the person that they can become out of these things. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, as you know, Justin, is exactly why I get up every single morning is wanting to have a, the ability to make an impact on others by transforming them, by helping them transform into something more or bigger or more enriched than they were before. So I'm hanging on every word, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> um <laughs> So one other thing that you said in, in that blog, that, that blog post that I thought was so enticing, and there's you said a lot in a short amount of time, by the way. So one of the other things that you say is that in, 
in making a difference to someone's life in a single conversation does require a certain mindset, you say. Um, so help us get present to that. What is it? How would you describe maybe a more ideal or effective mindset? Sure. I mean, obviously, this is probably not a complete list of things that go along with that. Uh, I'm sure that you and your uh, audience can think of other things that would be relevant to that conversation. But I start out with a negative. What we don't want to be is a know-it-all. And having a know-it-all mindset, this I know better for you, I know better for your life than you know, uh, all of those types of things are major barriers to actually helping someone, uh, but rather it requires a mindset of, of love and respect, concern, compassion, and passion to help other people. If we enter into a conversation with those things, it's going to be very different. So what I mean particularly by that, the mindset of love is, is selflessness, that I'm not here in this moment for me. I'm not here to talk about me, although that may help and we can come back to that if you want to in a little while, but I'm not here for my benefit. I'm here for someone else's benefit. And this person that's in front of me, respect, they deserve respect. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter where they are in life, it doesn't matter if you're talking to someone that has burned every bridge they've ever crossed. This person deserves respect because they're a human being and their subjective experience has shaped them. I tend to see the best in people. I think that most people have good uh, within them, even if it's buried deep down. And usually it's buried deep down because of trauma, because of things inflicted upon them. Uh, So everyone deserves respect and we have to start with respect or we're certainly not going to receive any back. And then concern, wanting to see them evolve to become better than they are. And we all can be better. So it's not Uh, it's not a way of looking down our nose at someone to say that. I mean, people can look at me and I hope they do say this person can be better. uh, And I want to be. So if we approach others with the same mindset that they can be better than they are right now, that's concern and then compassion for their circumstance and then having a real desire to help, to be involved with them and to help them grow from this. And maybe they don't want us there and that's okay as well. It's that's part of respect. Uh, we might not be the person for them in that situation, or maybe they're not ready to enter into those conversations, and that's all fine as well. Uh, but having the mindset with all of those aspects to it, I think, will help us to find these kind of conversations where we're able to change lives. You gave us so much that in, in that, Justin, just now, and that giving us access to be able to get present to just this, what we're, how it is that we can create a, a space in which to converse meaningfully with someone. That that was. That was incredibly useful. Thank you. And let's go ahead and grab our last our last break here before we, we go on to the next segment. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We'll be on the air with Justin McCorkle, who is the Director of Business Development for Tawaris Cyber. Previously, he worked in the ministry where he spent 12 years as a preacher guiding church growth and delivering church leadership seminars around the United States and in Central America. He also worked in the political arena as a speechwriter, campaign coordinator, and state delegate for various officials and candidates at the state and national levels. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, We'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Justin McCorkle, who is the Director of Business Development for Tawara Cyber. He's also the author of a blog called Love in Leadership. It's loveandleadership.org. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Justin, one of the things that I also wanted to service, which you you started to speak to there, or you did actually speak to, but I wanted to develop it more 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 deeply, is you say that we 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 need to be, take caution when our heart is our own heart isn't right when we because we can actually cause damage in our intention to help someone else in a conversation. So, I think that's really really important. In fact, in the years that I've spent um, running crucial conversations workshops for companies, uh, and still do somewhat today. That whole part about the heart, getting very clear about your intention is really important. Can you say more about that? Yeah, sure. It's true in every field, in every area of life, in every relationship, that if we aren't approaching it with the right intention, with a selfless intention to help someone else, it's probably not going to turn out to their benefit or ours. Now, sometimes I think that we try to deny that to ourselves. We know maybe deep down that we're not doing this for the right reasons. We're not saying these things for the right reasons, but we kind of press through because we think, hey, it all is good in the end, but it really isn't because we're not going to focus on the things we should focus on. We're not going to say what we should say, whether that's an easy thing to say or a hard thing to say, if our purpose and intent isn't correct in the conversation. So however we're approaching a person that's in front of us, we have to be looking at them for who they are and where they are and recognizing ourselves, who we are and where we are and what our biases are. Uh, even having a bias doesn't necessarily mean that we can't do that, that we can't be selfless and uh, help someone, but we have to recognize that it's there. And if I'm talking with someone and the story that they're telling me has an impact on my life and them choosing a particular path is going to affect my life, I may be tempted to push them toward doing what is expedient for me personally. And that's not what we're talking about in having these types of meaningful conversations and changing someone's life in one conversation, because it's very likely that even if it's down the road, they're going to come to understand what your true intent was, and it's going to turn bad. So instead, would say that it's better for us to walk away from those conversations. Sometimes there are conversations that could be meaningful, could be powerful, that we just shouldn't be a part of. And uh, that's the same reason, right, when someone's being selected for jury, they want to know what type of bias is there in that person. Do they know the defendant? And questions around that topic affect the choice of who's going to be in that jury. And maybe sometimes we're not the person to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And as you were talking about that, Justin, I, I got present to something from for myself. And, and, and I, for me, one of the most glorious things someone can say to me as we're having a conversation is, I've never heard myself say that before. In other words, I'm the first person to catch something that they just got for themselves. To me, that is one of the greatest gifts and indications that we're having a meaningful conversation that may actually alter the course of their lives. And in, I used to always say, Justin, that when I'm talking with people, look, if you're not going to share your soul with me, don't waste my time, <laughs> which for, <laughs> isn't for everyone, right? But you do talk about 
the essentialness of openness and intimacy and having these life-changing conversations. And I think the word intimacy is often misunderstood. Will you give us a bit deeper access to what you mean by openness and intimacy? Sure. Why should anyone trust me if I won't trust them? There is an elitism that comes along in leadership roles a lot of times that we feel this maternal or paternal instinct for the people that we're dealing with. But that type of thinking is very self-damaging. I've definitely been involved in this. I've had these types of mindsets. So I want you to know I'm speaking from real personal experience here where what I want is for the person I'm speaking with to truly open up, to be totally vulnerable, totally intimate, and I'm going to do my best to help them based on what they provide in that conversation around those things. However, keeping myself guarded and distant from them is done to protect myself because after all, I'm in a role of influence. You know, I'm some type of leader, whether it's a, a church leader or a counselor or whatever. And of course, counselors may be a little different there and we could have more conversation around that another time. Uh, but there's a, a type of thinking that says, well, I can't be equally as vulnerable to this person. And I went a long time feeling that way because after all, it would diminish my influence if people knew the struggles that I was having. It would be something that closed them off from me. Maybe they wouldn't come to me for help. They wouldn't open up to me if they knew that I'm also a real person and I'm also going through things and struggling with things. And I also have problems in my marriage and I also have uh, struggles with my family members and so forth and so on. And that is so self-damaging because not only do I need community, all of us, we need community and we need to feel that we can share and we should be open. Not only do I need that, but really I'm at the point to where I think that our fellow conversationalists, this partner in life, this friend that we're talking to, they also need that. Us being willing to share ourselves with them is just another sign of great mutual respect. That's not to say that it doesn't come with some risk. It certainly does. But I think that it, it behooves us to consider that we are the same as this person. We are equal to this person, no matter what our level is. It doesn't matter if they're our subordinate, whatever else. There is a role of business that is not the same as being a human being. And we are all human beings trying to make it through life. And I don't mean to say that we should be foolish about the conversations that we have. I'm just saying that if we are wanting someone to open up to us, certainly we should consider opening up to an equal extent with them. I completely agree. And I think that takes us to the next thing that that I wanted to talk about, which I think will deepen just what you said here. And, and that is this idea of alignment that you talk about. And so there's a statement that you have in this blog post that I, I want to read for our, our listeners. You say, if you can come to see another person in their pain, joy, confusion, or any other state of being as they are, and they can do the same, you've aligned yourselves in such a way that true, meaningful communication can take place. Wow. I mean, that is extraordinary. That to me, when you align on that level, that's like the rest of the world stops around you. Yeah, absolutely. It is a crowded place sitting in a coffee shop and suddenly no one else is there. Mm-hmm. So what matters is the person riding in front of you and they feel the same. And we're involved in a very uh, intimate dance that will never be forgotten. And that's a powerful moment of life. And really, that's maybe the substance of life. And to think that we can do that at a first meeting even, 
just in one conversation is really beautiful. And if there's a chance of doing that, then we have to be trying to take that opportunity. Well, and that's exactly what together I hope we're encouraging our listeners to do. That's exactly what I, why I wanted to have you on the show is to is to give people access to this beautiful place that I know you and I've been able to to enjoy together to to come in an alignment and and experience what it really means to be completely present in somebody else's life. They are completely seen and understood and heard, and so are you at the same time. And something in you gets altered in the course of that conversation. As you say, I think that's pretty much as good as it gets. Absolutely. So this other thing that you talk about here that I think is important to the same thing, and as I say, this blog that you've written is 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 very tight, and there's so much in it to 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 unpack, like we're doing today. Um, but you do say that making this kind of a difference in someone's life, when you really do move the needle in their world, it does require an element of risk, and and I think that's important for us to talk about. So. Help us get present and ready to face this risk. How can we position ourselves to best embolden or handle that risk? Well, I might put it this way. What is the worst thing you've ever done in your life? That identification, if you can kind of sort through your mind and think of the worst thing you've ever done, how willing are you to share that information with someone else? How willing are you to share it in a conversation with someone that having that knowledge may just be the thing that opens up this great door of intimacy and allows the conversation to go so much deeper than it otherwise could have. But you also know that if you share that information, that there's risk. They could take that information and use it to hurt you later on. They could harm you or other people with it. They could... um, tear down business relationships or they could uh, take it to someone else and someone that's not so forgiving and merciful. Having the willingness to risk it all is really, I think, important to this concept. Uh, You know, we want to be present. We want to be there and we're doing this for someone else. But sometimes what they need is to know that whatever they're dealing with, you've been through something similar, or if you haven't, you've been through something painful that allows them to connect with you. And maybe in the course of this conversation, you have other thoughts about, well, if I open up about this, it's going to uh, potentially cause these things to happen, these domino effects. I've had that. I was in a conversation just a couple of months back with a man that's going through a a difficult situation. In the course of that conversation, some things were mentioned about his relationship uh, with his wife and different things that were going on in their life. And this all affected business and all these types of things. And in the course of that conversation, what I came to realize is that this person's being intimate with me. They're being open with me. And to really strike at the heart of maybe what needs to be dealt with, I need to share personal things that are going to show that I know some of the pain that's being dealt with there. And so then opening up to do that would open me up in this relationship because we have other business connections with one another. And that information could be spread and who knows what impact it would have down the line. But that's a risk that I was willing to take and I encourage others to take because even if it does go that way, even if they use some information they gain from us, uh, something that we're going through in life or we have gone through or some mistake that we've made or some loss that we've had, um, if they share that in such a way that it could affect something else, what I think we'll find is that people tend to be more merciful than we give them credit for. And those that aren't, maybe we didn't need them in our lives to begin with. It's, it's accepting 
the risk for what it is, but accepting the positive risk. What could come out of that is a deeper conversation and a deeper connection with a person that could end up changing this person's life. We're holding that in, may very well prohibit that from happening. Mm-hmm. What I got present to as you were sharing that, Justin, is just this whole notion that all of us have heard before is that you get what you put uh, into life. We get out of life what you put into it, right? So if you're willing to make that psychological, emotional investment in a conversation like that, the reward, the, the return on your investment is is dynamic. It's terrific. And I do think that being willing to risk ourselves emotionally um, and spiritually, certainly, is is really, really important. And I want to surface that now on specifically in the, the workspace. We've been talking about these conversations have been over largely business conversations, which I think is important for our listeners to understand. These are, we, we can do this all over our life and certainly at work and in business too. But let's talk about what, what we tend to both see in that when, especially in leadership, there's a there's a lot of guarding in leadership. People, I do a lot of coaching with men and women, and they often tell me that they feel like they should really guard who they are. Um, what is your perspective? What would you sh- What would you surface for our listeners in in the regard to people being truly authentic in who they are as leaders? Well, my experience is just the exact opposite of that. Um, so I can reference several different business relationships uh, with subordinates or with partners, business partners that work for other companies that I have to interact with. Um, I can tell you that people in these relationships we tend to view as kind of distant from us. We interact with them with just what we need, and then we kind of move on. But I suggest that there's a lot more potential there. And I have, for instance, a business partner that has been going through some real struggles with life. And I found myself picking up the phone and giving him a call after hours to check on him, see how things are going. And we ended up having a conversation about things far beyond the scope of our work. And that knowledge came about because of both of our willingness to be open during the uh, few minutes before a business meeting starts or something where we're actually kind of connecting and learning each other's life. And now I would say that we're after hours friends, not that we talk all the time, but that this person knows that if they need to talk to me after hours for something outside of work, we can do that and vice versa. And then in a situation with someone who works for me, uh, I know some of the things going on in their life. Having conversation about those things is not inappropriate in my mindset to the workplace because we're playing an infinite game here. We're not, uh, to use some of uh, Simon Sinek's language there, uh, you know, we're not just out to try to have the best quarter or the best year financially. We're out to try to be involved in each other's lives and in our clients' lives to try to help to do something bigger than just work. So these people that come to work, they have real lives. They have real emotions, real pain. They're people just like we are. Again, we're each humans, so we're equal in that sense. We're all created in the image of God, and that should give us the motivation to connect. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have to have some awkward conversations sometimes, or we're going to have to tell people to step up in this area, or we're going to have to reevaluate employment position for someone. Those things happen that are part of life as well. But as long as someone is in our sphere of influence— why not do something more meaningful? Why not be more than just a paycheck? Uh, we can do those things and still be professional. We can talk about serious things and still have a professional workplace. 
where we're caring about performance, but people care more when they know they're cared for and just giving them that, giving them a place where they come and they know that uh, their support has their back, their leaders have their back and know what's going on. It changes the dynamic of the relationship. And I hope that we can keep that culture inside of two RS. And certainly I would encourage all the other people in leadership roles that are your listeners to consider that we don't want to go to work and hate where we go. <laughs> we want to go to work and be proud of where we are and know that we're around people that care for us. And mm-hmm. all we have to do is show that love and we're going to get a good response. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. We're almost out of time here, Justin. There's one more thing that I want to present for our listeners here as we close. Uh, you assert, and I absolutely agree, that the world needs more people who can change lives in a single conversation. And so, therefore, the world needs you to be more real and intimate, you say, and the world needs you to take a risk. Would you, in just, say, 30 seconds, just add to that or however you want to close? Sure. Now, each of us has a voice, a life experience, a perspective or an ability that matters on a much greater scale than we ever realize. It doesn't matter if we witness the result of what we're doing It just matters that we live in the present and see the opportunity to show love and to build up other people. We have a short life, and in that short time, we can make the world a little bit better than it is. And our greatest strength may be in our greatest weakness, but we have to be willing to share who we are in order to change lives. And again, it may only take one conversation. What a beautiful contribution you have been to me and to my listeners today, Justin. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Justin and his thought leadership and just the way he walks through life and what you might be able to learn from him, I encourage you to visit his blog. It's loveinleadership.org. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. Believe it or not, we were on air with none other than Santa and Mrs. Claus right here in my office studio. Tis the season, you know, I have to have that for this for the, for the holidays. We had a joyous conversation about the wonder of the season and the importance of, of meaningfulness and living with daily gratitude. It was fantastic. Next week, we'll be on the air with Jeanette McConnell as she shares her year-long journey in a transforma- transformative leadership program that culminated in a trip to Antarctica. See you there. Remember, that works at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>